morning or this evening. Um, so let's open in prayer, and then we'll get started with our study. Uh, Brother Roy, would you lead us in prayer this evening? All righty. Well, thank you all for being back this evening. We're going to do a little bit of a, a Bible study. We're going to look at a few things. You know, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about some important issues. I mean, we talk about important issues every time we step into church and every time we open up the Bible. But there are some things that we've talked about as far as what the Bible is, what the Bible stands for, the authority of the Bible, how it compares back to itself. The only thing you can compare the Bible to is the Bible. There's nothing above that. What God is like, uh, the characteristics of God, the attributes of God. We talked about some of that this morning as well. But those are all important things. That's what we deal with. That's our Christian beliefs. That's what we stand for. And so we're going to move one little step further tonight. We're going to talk about something that's just as important. One of the most important things, obviously, is salvation. But the Trinity is something that is really important. And so we're going to talk about the Trinity tonight. The Trinity can be a little bit... uh, not confusing, but it can be hard to understand sometimes. But the Trinity has a lot to do with a, a lot of different things. And the, and the Trinity is, is a point. You know, the triune God is three gods. And so I got a, a little description of it. The way I wanted you to, to factor, factor in on it is the fact that, that we talk about the Father, we talk about the Son, we talk about the Holy Spirit, but we talk about God. And every one of them's God. And so that's what's going to, if you get that mindset that it's all about God and it's all God, even though we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, it's still just one God. And we worship just one God, okay? Characteristics, attributes of God for the Father are, are equal to God the Son, equal to God the Holy Spirit, okay? All the attributes are the same, which means all knowing, omnipresent, all powerful, it's all the same. But there's still a submission of God the Son to the Father, still a submission of God the Holy Spirit to the Father, but it's still just one God. Y'all tracking with me? How many gods do we serve? One. How do we explain that to people, that we, we serve one God, but it's God the Father, God the, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? How do we explain that? And that's what we want to talk about now. That's what we want to be able to understand. And you think about these different characteristics. You think about all the characteristics of God the Father, about His unconditional love. Well, God the Son has that same unconditional love. The Holy Spirit has that same unconditional love. They have us the same way. So they're all the same, but yet they're different persons, all right? So you look at them as persons, not people. They are considered persons, but they're distinctly different. They have different roles. They have different things that they do throughout the Bible. Sometimes they're working independently, and sometimes they're working in unison. When, when can you think of sometimes when they, they work uh, independently? All right, Jesus Christ, the only one that died on the cross. The Holy Spirit didn't, nor did God the Father. That's a, that's a difference. All right, what else? Okay. God uh, gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Now, we don't know that Jesus wasn't there. We don't know that the Holy Spirit wasn't there. We don't know how he was actually uh, handed to it, but we know that that was God speaking from the burning bush. All right? And we know that it was God that gave uh, Moses the Ten Commandments. All right? What about the Holy Spirit? What is his job? He's our helper. 
What else? How, how do we function? Or for instance, Jesus, go ahead. Huh? He lives within us. He comes, and when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is the one that comes inside of us. All right? He's the one that re- brings back the things that Jesus taught us, the things that Jesus told us, the things that we know. He's the one that reflects back and helps us to understand. He's the one that gives us strength to speak. Okay? So there are a lot of difference in those things. So let's look at some things. If we are going to understand the meaning of the Trinity, we have to be able to answer this question. So here's the question. How can there be three persons yet be one God. So if we're going to understand the Trinity, the triune God, the three, the three different parts, we've got to understand how to answer this question. How can there be three persons but yet only one God? It is important to remember the doctrine of the Trinity in connection with the study of God's attributes. And that's one of the things I just talked about, about the fact that they're very similar in attributes. Over the past several weeks, we have studied Scripture and looked at the Bible, what it has to say about itself, We've looked at the attributes of God and what God is like. That's some things we talked about last week. When we think of God as eternal, omnipresent, omnipotent, and so forth, when we're thinking about all the attributes of God, we may have the tendency just to think only about God the Father in connection with these attributes. This is what God, you know, these are the things about God. When we talk about the different names of God, when we talk about the things that God is able to do, and what is a lot of these things we think about it and we associate them with just God, okay? But the biblical teaching on the Trinity tells us that all of God's attributes are true for all three persons, for each one is fully God. So every one of those are fully God, 100%. Not, not 33, 33, and 33, and not 50, 25, and 25. Every one of them is fully God. That's 100% fully God. Thus God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are also eternal omnipresent, omnipotent, infinitely wise, infinitely holy, infinitely loving, and so forth. When I say infinitely, what does that mean? Boom, 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 boom. Just keeps on going, dot, 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 forever. All right? There's no end to it. So they're all the same. Sometimes people use three different names when referring to God. They say God the Father. They say Jesus Christ, or they say the Holy Spirit. So they use three different names to describe those three different persons. Nothing wrong with that, using three different names to describe three different persons. But there is more than simply different names of one person. They are, in fact, the names of three very distinct and different persons. But even though God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have eternally existed, they've been together since before the beginning of time, all three have eternally existed. The scriptures prove that, and the different ones we'll talk about that show us that they have all been here together before the beginning of time. There is only one God. Amen? Only one God. All right? No matter what anybody tells you, no matter whatever you uh, read, no matter what other people's religions tell you, there is only one God. This is called the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity is one of the most important doctrines of the Christian faith. It's one of the most important. We know that God is the most important. We know that the Bible is, is most important. We know that we believe what's God's inspired word is important. But the doctrine of the Trinity is one of the most important things that we need to know on our Christian beliefs. Okay? All right. Now, studying the Bible's teachings on the Trinity gives us a great insight into the question that is at the center of all of our seeking of God's. Uh, and, it, and it is... What is God like in himself? 
And we talked about some things last week about what God is like. But we really want to know what God is like in himself, which is part of the Trinity. Okay? All right? So here we learn that in himself, in his very being, God exists in the person of the Father. God exists in the person of the Son. And God exists in the Holy Spirit. And yet he is one God. The idea of three persons and only one God is difficult to understand completely even so, it is one of the most important ideas found in the Christian faith. Now, on your handout, look at where it says the Bible's view on Trinity. So I got you some things on there. When you look at the word Trinity, the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. We don't see that word in the Bible anywhere. It doesn't ever say it anywhere. But the idea of the Trinity is found throughout the Bible. Okay? So there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, for instance, in Genesis 1.26, and that's, is that on here? Okay, so let's look at Genesis 1.26, and let's look at this. It says, God said this. Now, this is God speaking in Genesis, all right? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on earth. So the thing is, is in that first sentence, he refers to the word our. That's what's important. He uses the words us and our. Let us Make man in our image. Let us make man in our image and, and, and move forward with that. But he used the word our and it implies that more than one person is involved in creation. And we know that God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. All right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what the scripture tells us. And, he, when he's, and it confirms it when he says, let us make man in our image. The only other beings that were possibly being referred to could have been what? What other beings were with Jesus and God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit when he created the heavens and the earth? Angels. So could he have been talking about angels? And I'm throwing this out there at you just for a question. Could he have been talking about angels as part of us? Could he have been? Well, think about it. He said, let us make man in our image. Are we made in the image of angels? Huh? So he couldn't have been talking about angels, right? Because he said, let us make man in our image. We're made in the image of who? God. God. All right. So he couldn't have been talking about angels because of that, because he says, let us make man in our image. So there's no way, even though the angels were there, because angels are created being, we, we're not submissive to angels, okay? We are created in the likeness of God. Well, let me tell you something. Angels are not created in the likeness of God. Amen. They're not. They're created beings, but God didn't create angels in his likeness. He created them as a, as, a, as a being, but not as in his likeness. Man is the only thing that's created in the image of God. All right? Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Genesis 1.27. God created man in his own image. All right, so this verse must imply that there is more than one person in God. All right, so let's look at this one. When Jesus was baptized, and I got that on there, right? So look at this phrase. When Jesus is baptized, look at this. What's going to take place here is all three parts of the Trinity are going to be functioning when Jesus is baptized, okay? Every one of these parts in the Trinity has a part to play in the baptism of Jesus. So let's look at that together. The heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. When you look at that, you've got God the Father speaking, you've got God the Son being baptized, and you've got God the Holy Spirit doing what? 
resting on his shoulders. The Bible, the scripture tells us flat, flat out that there's three functions taking place there, three different persons taking place there, and, th- and all of them is God. All right, you following with me? At this very moment, all three members of the Trinity were performing three distinct activities. The Father was speaking, the Son was being baptized, and the Holy Spirit was resting on the Son. So let's look at some things. Let's look at a couple things different. Similarly, when Jesus sent the disciples out to do his work, he commanded them to make disciples of all nations, what? Baptizing them in in what? The name of what? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So Jesus himself made it specific. He didn't just say, go baptize them in the name of God, did he? That's not what he said. He said he distinctly identified them as three different entities, three different persons. Go baptize them, go teach them, go preach to them, go make disciples of all nations, but do it in the name of all three persons of God. Okay, you follow me? Are y'all confused? You got it, right? Isn't this exciting? Let me just tell you flat out. Marianne, is this exciting to you? It excites me just thinking about it. All right, let's move on. All right. In saying this, Jesus is affirming that all three members of the Trinity are distinct in their personhood. If you look at Jude chapters 20 and 21, both chapters, you can see this. And I don't know that I put that on there, but let me just tell you. In Jude, it also affirms that there's three distinct persons in Jude. So if you look at these two chapters in Jude, it says this, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then in another part, it says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. In another part, it says, waiting on the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in Jude, you see that, that they're talking about three different areas, just like this, the three different areas of the Trinity. All right, so let's look at the meaning of the Trinity. So that's on your handout, all right? Because God is three distinct persons, now this is where it's a little tricky, but you can understand this. Because of, he, of he, who God is, three, three distinct persons, the Father is not the Son or the Holy Spirit, the Son is not the Father or the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son. All right? They're distinctly different. So there's three different parts, but they're distinctly different. They're not the same other than they are what? God. Fully God. How much? 100%? Yeah. Amen. All right. So each of the persons of the Trinity is fully God, but the Bible is clear that there is only one God, not three. And that's what we want to make sure that, that we have an understanding on. All right. The Bible says that God is the only one. Wait. The Bible says that God has only one essence and one being. Now, we looked at this two weeks ago, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and that's in your handout, right? All right. So let me catch up with you. Page number two. So Deuteronomy 6, 4. Let's read it together. What does that say? Four words. The Lord is one. Not the Lord is two, not the Lord is three. The Lord is one, all right? The one God, all right? The Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? They're all one. God frequently echoes this statement when he speaks, making it clear that there's no other God other than him. God himself makes this statement. He is clear in the scripture. He says it many times to the prophet Isaiah, 45, 5. One emphasis, he says, I am the Lord. And there is no other besides me. There is, there is no God but who? Me. And that's it. When God speaks, there ain't nobody else to, con- con- to talk about, right? God says, I'm the only God. I'm, I'm the one. And the scripture shows it that he is the one. So there's only one God, all right? Let's look at the role. Well, let me back up a couple other things here. 
The Apostle Paul, same thing, Romans 3.30, when he writes, God is one. And again, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy when he says, there is one God. I mean, there's not a, not a more uh, prominent advocate for Jesus Christ than the Apostle Paul, amen? I mean, he is the biggest part of the New Testament. His writings are the biggest part of the New Testament, other than the Gospels are very important, obviously. But Paul, you know, directly hears from God, directly hears from Jesus Christ to, to cause him into his ministry. And Paul was, a, was an awesome advocate for Jesus Christ. And that's what he said. There's only one God. There's only one. And you think about Paul. Paul saying there's only one God. You think about Paul before his conversion, you know, when he's Saul and he's a Christian persecutor and how he would have never said there's only one God. You know, it just amazes me that, that, that God can turn and use anybody. All right. All right. So let's look at the distinct roles of the Trinity. All three members of the Trinity have different roles. All right, Mr. Jerry, you want to teach this next section? <laughs> I need to take a break. All right. So all three members of the Trinity have different roles. For example, in creation, we know that God spoke each of them into existence. We see that in Genesis 1, 9, and 10. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and God spoke everything, and it was good. All right? So, but listen to this. In John 1, 3, it tells us that the God, the Son, carried out these works. So God, the Father, spoke it into existence. But God, the Son, carried out the works. And, and John 1, 3 says this, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So, so what God, the Father, made, God, the Son, carried out. That's, that's another reassurance that they were all there together. All right? Genesis 1, 2 tells us that while God was creating us, think about this. What does it say about the Holy Spirit? When God was creating the heavens and the earth, what was the Holy Spirit doing? Everywhere. He was everywhere. He was manifesting the fact that it was God. God the Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And that is basically talking about sustaining and manifesting God's presence in creation. So God the Son is there. God the Father is there. God the Holy Spirit is there. They're all working in unison together when the creation takes place. Different roles within the Trinity can also be seen in, in our salvation. And this is important. This is what we can relate to. God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only Son. God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only Son, whom he sent into the world in order that we might be saved through him. John three sixteen and 17. When describing his role, this is what Jesus said. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me. John six thirty eight. That's what we talked about this morning was the will of God. Jesus didn't come to do his will. He did a lot of things that were miracles. He performed a lot of miracles. He touched a lot of lives. He changed a lot of lives. He was submissive to God the Father to go to the cross. Everything he did was the Father's will. Was it in anything in Jesus' will? It was the Father's will. He says that in that in that passage of scripture. I came to do the will of him who sent me. All right? And that was the and that will was that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins so that we would not have to. Isn't that amazing? All right. Hebrews ten ten. By this by this will anybody? Did I miss somebody? Okay. All right. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once and for all. That's Hebrews 10.10. 10. All right. 
So when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he and the Father, we're looking at John 14, 26, he and the Father sent the Holy Spirit to bring completion to the work that the Father and the Son had created. So, so it was God's will. Christ came as a physical person, as a baby, went as a baby, grew into an adult to fulfill God's will. So there's two of them working. When Jesus rises from the, uh, ascend, before he ascends to heaven, he, he, they send, they call for and send God the Father and God the Son, send the Holy Spirit to take the place for Jesus to ascend back to heaven so that every single one of us throughout this planet could feel the presence of God. Because Jesus himself only traveled how far in circumference and diameter? How far did he travel in his ministry? Anybody know? How many? You got it. 200 miles. So 200 miles isn't a lot of distance, right? That barely covers, you know, in our little section here. But he had to walk everywhere if he didn't ride a donkey. So he had to leave. But once he leaves, the Holy Spirit comes and covers the earth. Every single person throughout this world, throughout the planet, can feel and hear Jesus Christ because of the Father and the Son sending the Holy Spirit. In both creation and redemption, the Father and the Son and the Spirit all have distinct roles. From creation, we just talked about how they worked in creation, and we just talked about how they function in redemption. All right? All right? So, it was the Father who directed and sent both the Son and the Spirit, and it was the Son along with the Father who sent the Spirit the Son was obedient to the Father, and the Spirit was obedient to both the Father and the Son. All right? And while both the Son and the Spirit have and continue to carry out the roles of equal deity with the Father, and do so with submission to God the Father. So God the Father, He's at the top, okay? But He is fully God. God the Son is fully God. But God the Son was submissive to the Father, and so was the Holy Spirit. All right? These differences, functions, and roles are simply the outwork of, of eternal relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You really can't say one without the other. I mean, when you say it, they're all the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, when you say, well, I pray to God. Well, I pray to, to Jesus Christ. I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. They're all the same as far as God, okay? And so I have no distinction with that when you say, you know, I pray, we pray in Jesus' name, or we pray uh, to the Father, which is, you know, I thank my Heavenly Father. That's praying to God. When I thank Jesus Christ for what He done for me on the cross, I mean, that's, that's it. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit can come inside of me and help me overcome the obstacles that I face every day, all right? So let's look at this. The unity and diversity. This is something that we deal with in our country. This is something we deal with, unity and diversity. So in this triune God, there's unity, but yet there's still diversity. All right? That is the same picture of marriage. It's the same thing. When we have God the Father, the husband, and the wife on the same triangle. And we talked about that in our marriage class. But we think about it. There's diversity and yet there's still unity inside of that, all right? It, for example, in marriage, two distinct persons come together, and through marriage they become how many flesh? One flesh. They become one. This is one God, all right? Same thing. There's unity inside of that. As a husband and wife, they are equally standing. They have value. They have personhood that is individual before God, but they also have distinct roles within the marriage. The Bible makes it clear that the relationship in the Trinity, all right, provides a model for the relationship of marriage. Another example, 
of unity and diversity. So this is one that's really important. This is one that we deal with. This is the, this is the church we're going to talk about. Another example of unity and diversity is seen in the church, which has how many members? Many, many members inside the church. Now, the church is not a building. The church is what? It's the people. It's a body of believers. So there's many members inside the church. All have different skills and gifts. Amen? All different parts. But, the, but think about the human body. Same thing. You know, everybody can't be an arm. Everybody can't be a foot. Everybody can't be an eye. It takes all the different parts to make the body work. It's the same thing in the church. It takes all the different parts to make the church work and function the way God wants it to work to make sure it functions. Man, we got ladies that can do certain things. We got men that can do certain things. We got young people, old people, older people that can do certain things, but it's all working in one purpose and for one plan, all working together. Many members with different gifts, but one body, right? The church is what? How many bodies? How many purposes do we have? One. Whose purpose is it? It's God's purpose. One body, one purpose. Many members, so that's diversity, and unity is one body and one purpose. All right? The church includes many members from every nation, from all tribes and people and language. That's Revelation 7.10. This diversity adds to the complexity that shows us the wisdom of God in allowing both unity and diversity to exist within his world. Now, the unity and diversity that exists in the world is simply a reflection of the unity and diversity that's found in the Trinity. Amen? Amen. All right. How you feel about it? You ready to teach it? Huh? You did a good job. Thank you. All right. That's what I have for you on the Trinity. It's very, you know, it's complicated, but it's simple. All right. Any comments? still say that even the players said that this time when they came they said the same thing that's why they wanted to be fed at pine hill on open week because they don't have to play a football game after eating as much as they eat here so but that's what i'm talking about the different the different roles i can't cook a lick you know i'm not even good at the grill be honest with you patty takes the grill prongs away from me she said you got to put grill marks on it y'all know about grill marks huh it's just food, right? Does it matter what it looks like as long as it's done? But anyhow. Amen, Davis. Davis said, that's it. I'm done. Huh? I didn't mean to. He's okay. All right. All right, anybody else before we close it? All right, Stephen? Spirit of God, sitting like a dove, coming to 
the Holy Spirit is like someone who lives in us. Then again, go to John 14, 26. Uh, it says that he and the Father sent the Holy Spirit to bring completion to the work of the Father and the Son. That's the day it started. So it was the 